grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today from John 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have life abundantly. I'm the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Dear friends of Christ, that last hymn, I love the words of that, talks about how we are to be here for those to care for people as Christ put us on this earth to love people and, and to support life. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has made it an annual tradition every year about the second or third Sunday of January to support life. And so our theme is simple, God loves life. And each year we remember how much He does. And, and we take time on this third Sunday of January um, with no small... Uh, uh, cause to the infamous anniversary of January 22nd, 1973, in which our country uh, decided to make a ruling on Roe versus Wade. 46 years ago today, um, that, that, or 46 years ago, in a couple days, this, this whole thing took place. And since then, nearly 61 million, 61 million children have died. Ideas have consequences. And they've died with the blessing of our nation in mind. To say this is tragic would be a strain on the word tragic. Even the word holocaust doesn't, doesn't even seem sufficient. I mean, Hitler and the Nazis killed six, they, they say but around six million Jews which of course is horrible, but that tragedy doesn't compare to the 61 million lives lost in the womb. And no matter how you count it, that number eclipses any amount of, of corpses that lay on any battlefield in human history. There are more corpses in the battlefield of the womb than any other. And the fact that the unborn are unable to defend themselves the fact that they're not able to speak for themselves, to defend themselves, makes the slaughter of these infants all the more deplorable. And if we as God's people don't seek to stop the injustice, if we as God's people who understand that God loves life don't step into the fray, we're, we're culpable, we're guilty because we're deciding to do nothing. We're deciding to say nothing. In our Old Testament lesson, we said very clearly, as, as Isaiah said, and I will not keep silent. I will not keep quiet. And I will speak up. For we must never contribute to a culture of death, a culture that decides that, that that's a good thing. And indeed, we must repent along with all with all, our, with all our people of our nation. And so let the words and the message from this pulpit and our congregation be crystal clear. Abortion is the evil of our day. It is an unmistakable sign that our culture has lost her way. It's an unmistakable sign of the greed and selfishness of our sinful generation. But we're also people of the gospel. And while we proclaim what is wrong, we also proclaim what is right. As forcefully and as powerfully as we condemn sin, 
all the more powerfully and forcefully we proclaim God's love. We must speak the gospel with clarity, with boldness. We are followers of Jesus Christ who died that we might live. Jesus forgives sin. Jesus died to cover sin. And He forgives any sin. If you happen to be one of those people who have the, this, this sin in the skeleton of your closet, then know this, Jesus loves you. He does. He forgives you. There is no sin, not, not even the sin of abortion, that God's blood on the cross did not cover. He atones for it all. He paid the price. And you are clean before God. And just as you are clean and forgiven of all your sins, so, are, so am I for mine. For there is no difference. All have sinned and fallen short, and we all live by God's grace. And that's the good news. So let this good news of God's certain grace bring you comfort this morning. Let the good news of His, unfor of, of His forgiving love chase away all the guilt and, and all the shame and, and all, everything that goes with that that it might be clinging to you and causing you to question God's mercy for you. When Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He meant you. He meant me. When Jesus says, it is finished, He meant it. And so leave the baggage of your sin at the foot of the cross and be at peace. You know, as we commemorate Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, we have to speak boldly both, don't we? The sin and the grace. But Human Life Sunday is not just about abortion. It's about all life issues. And, and I want you to think about that as Jesus today talks to us in our text in John chapter 10, the Good Shepherd text. Uh, these are the words from the one who is the Good Shepherd himself. These are the words, ones from the, the, the shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. And, and these are words of life. In John 10, Jesus says and he reminds us that he is the door or the gate. He is the, the gate to the pasture in which the sheep come and go. I am the door, he said. And this door is that which He opens and it leads to eternal life and the sheep come in. The Good Shepherd knows the way and He guides us through that door. I love metaphors. Biblical metaphors especially. And as a matter of fact, I use a metaphor. We've got one up on, on, on the uh, back of the church back there because I use a metaphor at the end of every service. I say, if I don't see today, tomorrow, or ever again in this life, I'll see you at the cross. And everybody says, there will be no cross in heaven. I know, it's a metaphor, right? But you, you get the picture. And you get the picture here too. Jesus is the door. He is a sheep. He is the good shepherd. And He lays down His life to save the sheep. And we get the picture. He died so the rest of the flock can live. You know why He did it? He loves life. He didn't want to see us die. 
He defended us in the, in the face of all opposition of Satan and, and, our, and our enemies of, of sin and death. Death is our curse. Death is not a good thing. Death is our enemy. And death came upon us when Adam and Eve chose to eat that fruit that was forbidden from the tree, from the forbidden fruit. They tasted that fruit and, and death has been upon us ever since. And we love death. Even though we don't. We embrace death. And that's why God has a whole commandment telling us that death isn't a good thing. As a matter of fact, we're not supposed to kill each other. We're not even supposed to hurt each other. A whole commandment on how we're supposed to protect each other and keep each other safe. And, and death is not just the end of a life where a heartbeat stops or a person stops breathing. Death is the ultimate separation. Death is when a body and a soul is now separated. It was never intended to be that way. Where we die and our bodies are, and soul is yanked apart from us for a time being until the resurrection of all flesh when our souls and bodies will be reunited. This was not meant to be. But more importantly, death is a separation from God. Satan loves death. He loves separation. He loves death in our world. He especially loves eternal death. Because death, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, death will separate you from the source of life forever. Eternal death, not eternal life. And it's not that an unbeliever, when he dies, simply ceases to exist. No, he continues to exist from all eternity, for all eternity, separated from the source of God. And that's why physical death, and that's why spiritual death is so terrifying. They're terrifying things, and the enemy's still out there. And the enemy still encourages us to walk that path. And the enemy, the devil, is bent on killing and destroying people, and this sinful, and this sinful world follows in the wake of the devil's work. And so people are bent on killing and destroying people too, especially in the womb. However, God doesn't want us to die, and, and that's why He does something about it, and that's why He sends His Son, Jesus Christ, to, to save the world, because Jesus is the life of the world. And Scripture says Jesus brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. By his death on the cross, he destroyed death. Life. He, he loves it. He gives it freely. He defends it. He died for it. And don't you see that those who believe in Jesus Christ, you and I, for us, there's life. And we celebrate that life. However, our life in Christ is not easily observed. That's a problem. Death is easily observed. A pastor stands over a, a grave of one of our members and, and says, Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? And everyone looks in the hollow grave and says, There's no victory here. There's no life. So how is it that we can proclaim life when 
The power of death is so evident. How can we be so certain about these promises? How can we be so certain God loves life and gives life and defends life and that life has more power than death? That death has been swallowed up in victory, as 1 Corinthians 15 says. Well, we know it because he died and they buried him. And three days later, there there was no body. The tomb was opened. And the report from Rome went out, find this guy, this Jesus, this one from Nazareth. He's wanted dead or alive. Everybody searched. Nobody found him. But many had seen him. For he had appeared to many. We know that death has been swallowed up by life because our grave could not hold our Savior. And that's what Paul meant when he wrote, For you have died and your life is now hidden in Christ with God. Your life is now hidden, hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, well then you'll appear with God in glory. But not until then. Life is hidden in Christ. And we can see it only with eyes of faith. And that's why it's a problem. How can you know that death is a problem? How can you know? How do we know that God loves life and wants to defend life? Because by all appearances, death, in death, it appears God is angry. In death, it appears God is punishing somebody. In death, it appears that there's no hope. Faith sees a promise. Faith trusts the Word, and so we have life. And by faith we live. But one day it will be crystal clear. One day we'll see it with our own eyes, face to face. God loves life, and we will live forever with Him. When Jesus appears, we also will appear with Him in glory. And that's why Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So what is abundant life? What is this abundant life that we have? Uh, What does it mean to be abundant in something? Abundance means you have more than you need. And I want you to have abundant life. I want you to have so much life that you'll never run out of it. And God provides that, doesn't He? Abundant life. (coughs) And that's the way God's grace is. That's how God's gifts are. It's always more than we need. Pressed down, shaken up. Flowing over, he says. And the psalmist says, You prepare a table before me, and my cup runneth over. You know, that abundance life flows over in our lives too. God's love, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, it's given to us, and we have life, and so it flows over, and we have a message. We have a message too. God has loved me, He's given me life, and, and then God wants us to love life, not just spiritual life. He wants us to love physical life, to support spiritual life, but not just spiritual life, physical life. 
And it's our job to tell others. You see, Life Sunday isn't just about condemning abortion. No, it's, 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 it's acknowledging that life is precious in all forms. Life is a precious gift. And we share this gift of life with everybody around us. And we support it when we care for one another. And that's why I like that hymn that we just sang, A Christian Way of Serving. Christians uphold and we support, and as Christians we support life. When it comes to the question of of, uh, moral bioethics, you know, when does life begin and how are we supposed to, all those questions, we defend life. We, We stand up for life. Some technologies are used to support life. Some technologies are used to take it away. And we respect our God as the Lord and giver of life. Christians uphold support life and we proclaim life when we care for one another. When we care for widows, when we care for orphans, when we care for the poor, when we care for the needy. Loving life and caring for humanity it's not, it's, it's, it's not always glamorous, but it's commended by God as good. And that's why we as Christians, we support life and we support uh, parents who all of a sudden find themselves in an unwanted pregnancy. A mother and father who don't know what to do and, and now they're all confused and, and, and what's the answer here? And we come around them and we are called to support them and to love them and talk about the wonderful gift of life. Not to condemn them. God calls us to care and to care for the elderly, to care for those who can't speak for themselves because they're in nursing homes and they've lost their voice, to care for our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents, and we support their life until God sees fit to call them home. And as Christians, we support adoption. We support all the agencies that take care of human life, that provide these children with a home, with a good place to live, with blessings of life. And we don't do these things all the time. We do them when we have the opportunity. And we do these things And we support them because it's a gift. Why? Because we have abundant life as Christ who said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep and I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.